Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Talking Locks podcast with Lockitude. This is the Everyday People with Locks series and I'm your host, Adi Balogun. This episode is produced by Savage Media. Today, we'll be having a very interesting and what may be deemed as a somewhat controversial discussion on locks and feminism. Our guest, Nelly and I, will try to break down the nuances of what the movement really means in the context of Nigeria and also explore what life is like for a lockhead feminist. Nelly is a broadcast journalist, a fact checker, writer and media consultant and one person who challenges me to think through conversing. I personally have much respect for her and without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome to Everyday People with Locks. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Talking Locks with Locktip podcast, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today. So, Nelly, can you please start by introducing yourself? My name is Nelly. I'm a broadcast journalist and a fact checker, and a little of so many things in between. But I really like to keep it to broadcast journalist because that's the core of my being. And um, until recently, I dabbled into fact-checking, and I'm glad that I did, because it somehow makes me feel elevated as a broadcaster. I'm, uh, I've worked on radio, television, and uh, yeah, that's basically it. Wow. So, that's really all I am. It, it's not very impressive when I say it, right? No, it <laughs> is. Like, I have a lot of questions that I feel like, I hope we would be able to talk about some hair in this whole um um episode that we've planned today because i'm so excited to speak to you we usually have great conversations and unlike the previous episodes we've recorded i haven't prepared questions for you so i'm hoping the conversation will flow (laughs) and we would explore you know some meaning to the things that we think um one of the things i want to start with is oh let's let's talk about hair for one second, because I feel like I might not be able to keep it completely on topic. How long have you had your locks? Oh, you know, I've lost count. I mean, you know that, that I've lost count. The last time I kept count, my hair was 10 years old. Sometimes I tell people 10, sometimes 11. I think it's between 11 and 12, I'm thinking now, you know. Can you remember what year but, you started? Yeah, I, I think my hair is a year older than yours. I think because when we when we knew how long it I mean how old it was we used to talk about it. Lini, yeah, but past. okay. I, so that means when I met you, and a bit older. <laughs> <laughs> that means that um, you are possibly twelve going on thirteen because I'm eleven going on twelve. Absolutely, then. Yeah, that's that's okay. what we we'll That's yeah. a pretty yeah. long time to have had locks. Um, before yeah. I, I shut this conversation, wow, I'm surprising myself. Maybe I should take notes as I'm, as I'm talking. I shouldn't Larry King this one because I feel slightly intimidated. I'm talking to not just a broadcaster, but Nelly and Nelly, you know, I hope that I'm able to match. I'm able to give you a very good conversation today. Um, well, I, I would leave this conversation with a very, with my self-esteem intact, in a very comfortable and safe place. I, I do hope so. <laughs> I, 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 we've already started on a very good footing, so I'll just sit back and enjoy being praised so much. Okay, 
we're going yeah. to be talking about feminism and um usually in these topics with everyday people with locks i feel that the essence is to kind of show the world and people who kind of stereotype people generally that people are individuals and in an individual there are different things so an individual is a feminist a mother a corporate person an entrepreneur an individual can be anything at all so let's just start by asking do you consider yourself a feminist yes but i never used to say yes to that to that question i never used to and i and i mean as as recently as um 3 4 years 3 uh, years ago my last time on radio i think i finally accepted being called a feminist just um towards the end of by the middle of 2018 and the reason was because i came to a realization of who i am let me answer this question connecting it with um the question what you you know the comment you made that's a long time to wear to wear locks right mm-hmm. and perhaps that will help to to bring to how i've accepted being called a feminist and it had nothing to do with shame but more or more dependent on definition right mm-hmm. so i had my hair straight for as long as i've known um i've always liked my natural hair but no particular affiliation i've never really been the kind of person that would say my natural hair defined me or even that locks define me to mm-hmm. be honest so i might not be the perfect lock head i always say that but um one day i was in the salon trying to trying to wear my natural hair as i've always done so i'll experiment with um tongs and crimps and you know all those things just something to keep my hair stylish and still natural and one day using this hot iron the lady chopped off a lock um, i mean a, a chunk of my hair mm. and and it was gone so i looked at that space in the middle of my hair and i decided i'm done with this i'm done with stretching my hair burning my hair i'm i'm exhausted with it so i'm just going to wear my hair naturally which i did for a while and then a friend of mine who was from trinidad and tobago said you know you're going to look really nice on locks and i'm like yes please and that's how my lock journey began Mm-hmm. but i'm a very dedicated person you know and i know i liked wearing locks i know i got attached to wearing locks i liked the identity it gave me which meant some people look at me and they just they conclude on who i am by my hair it's gotten so in so much that in 12 years now i've gone from ridiculous on serious renegade to sexy mm-hmm. all is it all that definition <laughs> of the locks of me. I don't know if I remove this locks and and this is something of a close friend said to me that when you take this locks or the, these locks off your head I wonder if anyone will recognize you. Mm. And this is a person who knew me before I started wearing locks. I realized that some people I've known in my life have never known me without locks. Yeah. Because they met me in the space of yeah 10 to 12 years. Now this journey is the same thing for me for feminism. I've always known who I am. I've always known what I want. I've always known or I thought I knew how to get it, right? And that's a big question I'm beginning to answer now. I thought I knew how to get it, but now I don't think what I thought I knew is sufficient enough for me now. But early in life I knew how to get it. I knew what I wanted. I knew I did not want to be married. I knew what I wanted. I I I, I you know there were certain things I knew. Mm. Um I also grew up in my my upbringing was a, a lot more feminist. I'm not exactly from my mom per se because my mom is not particularly a feminist 
but um my dad too and i wouldn't even say he was feminist i think he just believed in giving an individual what an individual deserved and that was my idea of existing so when when i started on the, when i started hearing about feminism i thought that was what i knew which is you know equality equity being the, the the choice to be who i am but i never had to make that choice i grew up in a home where i was who i am for just being who i am there was no need to define that as an agenda or something something groundbreaking it was just the way i grew up mm-hmm. i knew who i was i had a voice no one silenced it mm-hmm. no one asked me to be anything other than i wanted to be from the age of nine i made a choice where i wanted to go to school so i was allowed choices and i made them so i never i never really imagine feminism to be anything and um when i started to hear about social feminism and i'm using that term exactly to define the feminism people tweet about the feminism people brag about the feminism people like to claim right mm-hmm. and i never liked it. It, it it irritated me i never thought of feminism was us against them let's grab our pitchforks and burn the men you know because i grew up with four brothers and i never felt like you know even when i've been in environments where i've been um sexually harassed by men i was able to compartmentalize which men did that and which didn't mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it's um so for me it never was about choosing a side but finally as i said a couple of years ago or 3 to 4 years ago i came to that realization that you have to say what it is because that's what you are own it and properly define it mm-hmm. because then you're defining it for people just like you who are trying to reject what they already are just because the definition is getting lost in a wave of noise you know so i i am a feminist and i own it because i have always been a feminist i was raised a feminist by people who were not feminists themselves the irony right yeah. i was raised to a feminist no, I, by I, people I, who I, didn't even know what feminism didn't care for what feminism was you know so um So yeah, that's how I've come to it, to that realization and I like how I came to it because I'm not confused by it at all. Okay. So I really really enjoyed this conversation because I can identify with it in a couple of ways. Um when you said that people normally um already give you an identity just because of your hair, they make assumptions of who you are and what you what what you might not be and what you might be reminds me of something that happened to me in Lagos traffic few years ago you know how we drive in lagos like you know we have no destination and um, this guy tried to cut in front of me and i kind of maneuvered and i got ahead of him and you know traffic moved a bit and they were beside me and they looked into the car and we were going to do the normal thing of exchanging words and he looks and he says ah na dada livam livam she decrease so actually i started laughing because i was like okay wow i'm actually not a crazy person i hate confrontation i literally would probably back down if they started to make too much noise but i like that they think that i'm crazy because i have this hair so um i really identify with that but now i also struggle myself i'm um unlike you i kind of grew up as an only child of my mother so i didn't have to be compared to anybody so i never felt the need to be to even compete with anybody so i do not have the us against them mentality which seems like what social feminism is all about but what does feminism yeah. really mean what are we really talking about what does it really mean to be a feminist i think for me 
And um, just like I said in my TED talk, I would never assume myself to be a scholar of the movement, mm-hmm. right? I would read up on anything I want to read up on, and I'd like to have this this conversation with women that have fought for this and studied this mm-hmm. in school and written theses about it. But for me, feminism is the ability to be. That's mm-hmm. the definition. The ability to be, to exist, no excuses. No, um, no reasons why, no apologies, no, um, no doubts. And one, somebody could say, but that's what every human being is. Every human being desires the ability to be without doubts, apologies, excuses. But then that, then I, then I'll say to that person, absolutely. That's exactly what feminism is. So if you have an argument against feminism, you're saying that I don't have a right to just be these things as a woman. In essence, my desire for equity and equality and an ability to make choices, my, my desire to exist as me without giving you a reason why I'm choosing to exist as me is feminism. In essence, uh, and I know I'm saying in essence over and over and again, but I think it's necessary for me to keep saying it because all I believe feminism is, is an ability for women to be those exact things men have a right to be both the good, the bad, and the ugly in the same pedestal as men have a choice to be. So mm-hmm. if I have to make a decision, and that decision is weighed on a scale against that of men, then I have a battle to fight. Mm-hmm. But if there was never a scale, because if I, if, I, if I desire a thing or I want a thing, and a man wants it too, and we are measured on the same pedestal, on the same choices, then maybe I have nothing to worry about. But the second flip of it is this. If two men, for instance, stood here, and the reason I'm going through this analogy is because I know Nigerians are going to listen to this podcast, and I'm saying it this way because of a Nigerian audience, right? Mm-hmm. And an African perhaps. Now, if two men are being maybe measured for a role or for sports or for whatever it is, I do believe these men will be measured on merit, they'll be measured on strength, they'll be measured on character, they'll be measured on certain things where one man could fall short of the other, right? Um, And if, if, if one man is thoroughly disadvantaged, maybe for economic reasons, um, one is poorer than the other. These are measures that will be looked at for strictly economic reasons, strictly political reasons, you know? Nobody's going to look at it on a gender reason. There will be no gender bias. Now, if a woman, subtract one of those men and replace a woman there, or put a woman in between those two men, mm-hmm. gender bias now skews the rest of these parameters now. So no one is looking at an economic parameter of poverty. Nobody is looking at maybe a political parameter of maybe disenfranchising one group over the other group. Nobody is looking at these things. It suddenly becomes gender now. Mm. The two men suddenly feel elevated in their masculinity as opposed to that woman. Now, for me, as I said before, feminism is an ability to be. The choice of being without an excuse, without defending it, and none of that. And for me, that's what it is. And every moment that I identify where someone has been, where, some, where, where a woman has, no, has to fight for her ability to just be, then that's a battle feminism has to fight every day. And if someone considers feminism an art of war because of that simple thing, then I guess, yes, we are at war. Mm. 
Hmm, I hear you. I hear you. And being a Nigerian woman who grew up in Nigeria, um, a lot of things are interesting to identify with because, like I said, I personally am not a confrontational person. I do not like conflict. I run away from it. It's only getting being becoming older that I actually now kind of face conflict in the face. So I don't want to feel like I, I need to fight for my rights. At the same time, I don't want to be cheated out of anything that is my rights, you know. And um, unfortunately, we experience these things in different forms and shapes. You know, you're supposed to be responsible when you have a man behind you. I remember trying to get a space for the Lockitude Salon. And um, this was five years ago now or six years ago in a bit. And I had to literally go and get myself a fake engagement ring and a a proper ring and pretend like I was a married woman and um, have conversations with the landlord where I was saying, or with the agents, where I would say things like, oh, I would show my husband the pictures. If my husband likes it, then I will call you back. Of course, I go home and I am my husband and I, you know, have to... Um, How did you feel? I felt defeated. I felt horrible. It made me sick to my stomach that I was a responsible person who had the funds to acquire a, a space for my business, but yet I could not gain or gather respect until I became a married woman. You know. Did it take away did it take a little bit away from the pleasure of just being a business owner? Of a course. female young a young female business mm-hmm. owner. Did it take a little bit away from the pleasure? I told you you were going to become the, the host and I'll become the guest on this show. But yes, but yes, <laughs> no, yes, yes. No, but yes, it did. Remember, this is how we do it (laughs) (laughs) No, it did. And it was really painful because it took me a moment to even realize what was going on. I'd already missed out on like three good spaces before I didn't know what the link was. The agents were standing me up. Immediately, I I, I mentioned that I had a husband. I became from this girl, like my, my status changed from this girl to madame. You know, until tomorrow when the, the agent sees me, asks me, ah, how is Ogaha the kids? And I'm like, yeah, they're fine. But I, it, it makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me feel like, why do I have to be something else? And I think as women, we can continually pick on a thousand and one stories. And in some time, like, we're so used to this thing that we don't even know when it's being done. Um, I think for me, it, it happened to me, but but it was unnecessary on my part. My part was just for fear, because I had looked for an apartment so much, and I was trying to get this just a three bedroom apartment. Like it's not like it's even grand, right? And um, and I had looked for an apartment over and over and over. And some people ask me, "Are you single? Are you married?" You know, some would tell me, oh, "Let me get you a mini flat if you're going to." I mean, if you're single, I mean, what do you need three bedrooms for? Mm. So when I I was applying for this place. I just wrote that I was engaged. There was no need. It turns out that my 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 the lawyer, the landlord, is actually quite open-minded. He did not care, but I just you know you I, I, I did it. not want to lose another apartment. Yeah, yeah. So I did. But I, what I wanted to ask you though was, if you if you if you would rather you don't you don't want any you don't want a con, con a confrontational environment, but mm-hmm. at the same time you have to fight for some things that are yours, what does feminism then mean to you? Okay. Now I'm turning this thing back on its head because you are the feminist on the show. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> you know, after this, I go back to being a guest. I just am curious. I, I realize I've never really asked you that question okay, in all so the years of conversation. My perspective of things, I expect to be treated equally. And this is partly because I feel that I bring my equal strength to the table. So I don't see any reason why I should not be treated unequally. So just with the example that I gave with the looking for a studio, if a man my age came with the same money I had, he would not have needed to be married. Maybe, I don't know for sure, to be able to get the apartment or get or garner respect from, from the um, agents that we were working with. So in my own opinion, for a very long time, I didn't get it because I felt like I had grown up in an environment that did not make me see that my society treated me a little bit differently from the men. Um, so like I said, growing up as an only child, I did not have maybe one brother at home that I was being compared to. So I never got it. Um, by the time I got into university, I, I went to, a, I went to command secondary school. Ikwaja. Hmm. Wow. This is, I've, not, I've not said that in a very long time. I went but, to command secondary school. Okay. Perfect. Maybe these things are, maybe there's a connection in all these things. But you do know, Abakaliki is one of the tougher commands to have gone to. But yes. you do know that you are not treated differently. If you are going to be rolling on the floor and doing corporal punishment, you are going to do the corporal punishment. If the boys are cutting grass, you are cutting the grass. There was no preferential treatment. So I did not see that. Absolutely. Nobody treated me differently because I was a girl. So in secondary school, I did not see it. By the time I got to university, I happened to study architecture, which is a male-dominated um, course. So we were only a few ladies in our in our set. And looking back, only in hindsight did I realize some of the things that were happening that shouldn't have happened. Like I get a good grade on a course, and my male classmates would tell me things like, "Oh, can't you remember when you were doing your jury? You confused the lecturer with your boobs and your ass." When she bent down to say, this is my toilet, the guy got confused and he gave her an A. You know, it was a joke. But looking back, I'm like, no, I spent my sleepless nights in the studio as well. I worked for my grade. Why is my grade being belittled? Because it's a good grade, you know. So that was the first time I kind of started to experience it. But all of it was very, very subconscious. I didn't even know what was going on. And then moving on into actual practice, um, Fortunately for me, the, the firm I practiced with did not have any gender disparity or what's the word now. You couldn't even, like, if you're going to climb the seven-story building, you are climbing that stairway, it doesn't matter what you are. If you like, be a man, woman, animal. As long as you work for the company, you get the job done, <laughs> you know. So I did not feel um, cheated. I, wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being... Um, uh, paid, I, oh, I wasn't paid less than my male counter, counterparts. The system of getting bonuses were fair and transparent. So all of that was me being fortunate and not being oppressed by the system. But living the real world, realizing in future that, men, you need a man to be anything in, in our society became very painful to me. But now, I'm turning back the question to you. For those of us who are not confrontational and know that we deserve um, equality, not just because we are women and we just deserve it, but because we also bring our fair share to the table. If I'm doing the work, if I'm making the money, why wouldn't I be treated as such? Why wouldn't I be given the same respect? Is it a case of fighting or taking? 
Are we supposed to fight for this or do we just take what belongs to us? That's interesting. You know, I, I'm not very good at giving yes or no answers because mm-hmm. I have to think through the nuances of everything I have. To, I say, um, and this this is particularly nuanced to me in, in the sense. Let me start by saying, I am not non-confrontational. I will confront if it's coming to me, but I would rather not confront. But I am very pumped for confrontation if that's what's coming my way. Very pumped, and I'll enjoy it. But I would rather not do that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't shy away from one. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, taking or fighting or even be, it, it, I think it's stressful for anybody's mental health to always feel like you have to constantly grab or fight or rather than just sail through the world. I think the stress and the stressors that it triggers, it's, it's really un, unhealthy for, for women, you know, because it depends on the society and how, how much that society aims towards some kind of equality. Then you will tell yourself, you know, then, then you know where you stand. If I lived in Norway or Switzerland or, you know, Sweden or countries that are trying their best to have some sort of a, a large... Um, uh, you, you know, a higher degree of, of equity and equality, I probably will be less anxious and stressed about my existence as I am living in a country like Nigeria. You mm-hmm. and I went to technically the same kind of, you know, secondary school, just different locations. Mm-hmm. And while you're with kids and teenagers, you never really notice. Mm-hmm. But the question then is, Command Secondary School is a paramilitary school, so it's really funded and overseen by the Nigerian military. Mm-hmm. How have I never seen in my lifetime a female Nigeria, a, a female military general, mm. a, a female a, a female commander or mm-hmm. commandant even, mm-hmm. unless they now? In my time, I never saw a female commandant. I never saw until today. Our heads of military, there is no female, and I don't think there's ever been a female. So at some point, when we start to achieve womanhood, feminism is the gift we get. Do you see, Adi? Mm-hmm. Are, are you seeing where I'm going with this? Yeah. All through life, when you're unthreatening, when you're just a flat-chested human being, when the only difference between you and the the boy in your class is probably, I don't know, um, I, maybe nothing. Almost nothing because you all wear it your hair short. <laughs> yeah, you wear your hair short. You probably haven't seen your period. For me, I never saw mine until, I never menstruated until I was way into, way into I, I was about to get out, right? Mm-hmm. Of secondary school. So, so and even when that happens, you, you are disciplined in such a way that you never truly own you know, that part of you as a, as, a, as a gender definition or as a sexual thing until you're way out of it for your mother to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. So, it is when we actually start to be called women, when, you're actually, when you actually start to be identified by the attributes that make you a woman that you should be proud of, that's when feminism comes. Feminism wants to take you right back. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, not feminism, forgive me. That's when... Um, 
that's when the um, the 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 gender bias comes, right? Yeah. That's when the gender bias comes. That's when the masculine the, the the masculine world wants to take you back to that unthreatening side of you. Mm-hmm. So if if we're talking about the taking or grabbing or fighting, the war is not with me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I am I'm not the I'm not the offending party here. Mm. I'm not the antagonist. The war is not with me. It's with you. It's with the person to whom the atmosphere changes when I walk in, when I accept myself. The war is with you who constantly are in a battle to know to own yourself when I'm in the room. Yeah. So I'm not taking or fighting or grabbing. I'm asserting, and I don't. I, I don't think women should see asserting themselves as something strenuous. Every human being who needs to own their place in the world has to assert themselves at some point. Okay. So for us women, if we yeah, asserting ourselves in a room. So I guess let me just say this: the fight is with the misogynist whether they be male or female, because I do know some women oh, really okay. exhibit misogyny. The fight is with the misogynist. For me, I will only accept myself. Go fight with your demons. Yeah. Okay, so let's, I, let's, let's bring this conversation back to hair for a second. So there are a few words that you've used that I feel like on the flip side are very... It's almost like I'm beginning to, to draw a line or to draw a connection between the topics that we've brought on the podcast and finding that being a lockhead, some of the experiences you have are shared with any group of people that are seemingly oppressed. Let me put it that way. Uh You said um, Uh you're not the, you're, you're not the offending party. You are, why you, why people threatened, you know, and, basically being assertive and nothing and assertiveness is not a threat i feel like when you come back to the hair you know i meet people who want the hair who love the hair but they are threatened by society sometimes it's not even by society they're just threatened by your mind because you don't even know why you don't want to do it because you feel you'll be treated a certain way and you almost feel like you would offend people. You offend your church. You offend your pastor. You offend your future husband that you don't know who like that, that would prefer you to supposedly wear a weave yeah. on your wedding day. You know, so I'm just being, beginning to feel like a link because um, I, I received an interesting comment where someone was trying to have a discussion of why am I relating locks to aging? Um, obviously, the person doesn't live in Nigeria and I could sense a tone of, of um, offense that why are you trying to politicize this? And I'm like, well, in my own environment, this is something that we face. People seem threatened by your hair. And for me, who even has longer hair now, it's interesting because um, what happens is they meet you, they think your hair is extensions, and they are cool. But immediately you say, it is my natural hair. It means you are a feminist. You are hard you probably um, are on some sort of um, narcotics or drugs or weed smoking person. You would not be obedient in your husband's house. You would not be able to cook and clean. You are not the things that you expected. You're just a bad person. So 
Um, I've said all these things and I just want to understand what your experience is like being a lockhead and having that attitude and being a feminist at the same time. Do you see yourself constantly trying to fight to assert yourself from a hair perspective as well and in just, you know, living your daily life? Well, when I was, when I was in school, I had to. Because, you know, when you enter into some offices, you know how Nigerian hair education is. You enter into some offices and they're like, what kind of hairstyle is this? And all kinds of ridiculousness. And I knew, and even then, and I, let me also say that I'm a very self-aware person. I know who I am. And I'm also very aware of my environment. I know when the problem is not me, but it's you. And I know when I have to bend because you're in a position of authority that I'm not in and I need you to make a stamp or a statement in my life. And what I, I learned much later in life, uh, a friend would advise me, he would say, pick the battles you can win. Mm. It may seem like a cop-out, but it's not. Sometimes if I'm going to walk into the admin office of some raggedy, raggedy woman or man in, in, a, in a dusty office in a Nigerian institution that I know I only need for that first part of my life, a few years after that, I am so far behind what I studied in school that I really don't know why I went through that process. Right? I mean, I mean, what I studied in school is so far behind me, I meant to say. I'm so far ahead of it that I don't even know why I had to bend for some scraggly man in an office. But then I'll tie my hair sometimes for that reason. Or sometimes I'll find myself, you know, hiding my locks, you know, not to, because I don't want that, that mm -hmm. to confront that energy. Mm -hmm. But as I left school, um, first of all, when you're in radio as a female in this country, there's a whole lot of, of misogyny and gender bias that goes in there that, I mean, it, it used to be a very male world. I think it still is in some, in many degrees. So, so you would always be uh, taking on seriously. So I, I, I was in entertainment radio for just two years and I moved straight from there to talk radio, which means I'm now talking serious, important things and I'm, you know, I'm being intelligent. So when they see my picture, they see a video of me in the studio and they go, oh, ah, she has Dada. What, what does that mean? Like mm -hmm. if, if, if my hair is in locks, I am suddenly, I have suddenly knotted every wire in my brain and I can't think intelligently, mm -hmm. you know? And so, so that's, that that happened, and I think for me to to, to come up to, to fight that was as I said before, asserting myself. I asserted myself in in the fiercest of ways. Sometimes I did it with so much fierce passion that that you you, you had to get you had to get out of my way. Sometimes I did it with you know conversation. You know, it all it all depends on what ammunition I needed at the time, and then I'll deploy it. Yeah. But this is what I know. For every movement in the world, in life, women have defined themselves in many ways. There was feminism in the civil rights fight. If it meant wearing their Afro black and proud and not straightening it to say, look at me, I'm owning every aspect of my blackness and I'm a woman, they did it. If it meant straightening the hair but speaking out as loud as possible for people to know that you know what you represent, even though it might seem as if you know, you, yeah, you, you, you look differently. Women have done it. Now, even if we're going away from African women and looking to the idea of women wearing trousers mm -hmm. and getting into the labor force, 
the wars and fighting to own their space and workforce. Even if you want to look at it, looking at it through all different phases and, 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 and of feminism that have ever existed, you know, down till today, we've always been defined by our hair, our clothing, or this color of our skin. There's always something to accompany it. And right now, Adi, join me in this now. Now it's, it's actually about... It's it, it, you're you're now your sexuality is defined by your looks now. You mm-hmm, know that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Either it's either men think, wow, this person is going to be some kind of vixen and fierceness in bed. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Imagine on those locks. Men have told me to my face grabbing on my locks in bed. I'm not opposed to grabbing my locks in bed, but what makes you think you qualify as a person to grab my locks in bed? You know, and. Then you find other people who would be so they sexualize you because not just not just that you have locks, you now have really long ones. Mm-hmm. So they think about all things and then they they, uh, they they project these their fantasies on you for your locks. And it could be any man of any race of anything. How many of these battles are we going to fight? I told a friend of mine and I said, if you if you consider me a fantasy, you probably are my fantasy. Mm. So I might not judge you on fantasizing about me if you are that. And there's a word that is escaping me now, and I don't know why it's escaping me. Something about being a, a fetish. And she mm. says, what if, what if you're just a fetish to them? Because maybe of your hair or your race or, or anything. And I said, and that's fine. What makes you think he's not a fetish to me? <laughs> so I have, I have to allow myself think of think of a healthy boundary and a healthy space. As I said, I'm a very self-aware person. And when I'm aware of who you are and what you are to me, I then pick the battles I can fight. We can't fight every Nigerian person that thinks. Do you know when I was on going on television, mm-hmm. someone asked my boss at the time a question that will Nelly be on TV with her hair, like with her locks? Will, mm-hmm. will, will locks be allowed on TV? And I'm so grateful to my boss at the time, Becky. Becky says, absolutely. My mom wears locks. What's, what has that got to do with anything? We had to even have a program around it, women and their hair. You know, what what statement our hair makes. Mm. So I might not be the proudest, I might not be the most political lockhead because wearing locks on me was not a political statement. It wasn't mm-hmm. a statement of, of feminism or my blackness or any of those things. It was mm-hmm. a hair, I just had to wear my hair differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I manage it better. Right. But yeah. if that's what, if I find myself in a room where I had to assert myself beyond the locks, I would I would have to, because unfortunately, we're still in a generation and a world where we still have to fight those stupid battles. We still have to fight them. Yeah. You'll be surprised how much time or maybe not, because you're probably used to talk radio, how much time we've already spent um, um, going back and forth. But I've picked up a few things. Um, some very important, I think, would stick with me. But with going picking from what you just said, is that um, hair can be a statement. It could be a political statement for some people and for some others. You know, it's not like you. Um, I personally it's did not um, have the consciousness of what my hair was supposed to mean when I decided to get it. I only started my hair from 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 a. Uh, for convenience, really, I was very busy in my work schedule at the time, and I was I thought that locking my hair was going to be easy, only to get locks and the earring. I'm realizing that oh, it's a <laughs> black not. thing. Oh, Remember it's a YouTube statement. Videos we used to watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and and um, thinking all these things. 
about um, the hair, but I'm really glad as to how we, because the, the, the essence of this, as many may not realize, is that I'm not trying, I'm actually trying to delabel the, the, the locks. Like we don't, we shouldn't have labels to have locks. It is your hair. You can't have a label for yeah. the color of your skin to say you are half yellow, half black, too black, not black. You know, you are just who you are. And so it doesn't really matter what you decide to be. Um, if you're a good person, if you're a bad person, if you're spiritual, non-spiritual, or a feminist or misogynist, you know, your hair, first of all, is like the statement that you should be able can to I, use. Can, in I making. Also, can I just add, add that I know we're rounding up soon, that, that the beauty of what you're doing is also people get to see that the black, the black woman's hair and how she wears her hair is not just a racial thing. Mm -hmm. You can be stereotyped and discriminated, you know, by your hair, even in a black world, mm -hmm. even in a very, the blackest country in the world, Nigeria, yep. even here, you know, you could, you could be, uh, people could look at you and, and, um, decide on you, decide on your future, decide on your peace and happiness, decide on your opportunities just by your hair. They could lock doors and close rooms to you because of your hair. So, um, I guess what I'm going to ask you as you're rounding up this <laughs> podcast is... I don't know why you're rounding up for me. To... I'm still here for a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> well, you sounded like we're rounding up, so I was like, oh my God, I have started. My long-windedness has filled up the room. No, please go ahead. What are you going to ask me? I was going to ask you, I mean, what do we then do? You know, for me, I, I, I think do nothing, just exist. If someone comes at you, you assert yourself. But I, I, that's that's what I think. But what do you think we do when the stereotype and the, and the, you know, the discrimination is, it can happen anywhere from black person, kinky hair to kinky hair can discriminate, you know, against one mm -hmm, another. So mm -hmm. what okay. do we do? That's an awesome question. I would tell you, I don't know what we should do, but I'll tell you what I do. The first thing I do is that I do realize that my hair choice falls under a, a, a segment of people who are largely discriminated by, especially in Nigeria. And my first offense and defense, or my first defense to that is that I do not discriminate other people's hair choices. Because as you're doing the same thing, you don't want to be done to you. Hair is a choice. If you want to wear it straight, curly, locks, whatever the case may be. So first of all, I do not discriminate because you don't know the reasons why people are doing why they want what, what, what they are doing or you're not responsible for when they come into the consciousness of when they should change their minds about maybe their hair choice. So first of all is to treat everyone equally and see people for people. So if you approach me, I'm not going to judge you and say, oh, look at this girl with false eyelashes and blonde hair. She must be a blonde baby doll idiot girl. No, that person would have so much value that you can benefit from. So I'm genuine about my acceptance to people and their choices. That is the first thing. The second thing I personally do is that with this platform that I have been fortunate to grow and meet so many amazing people, I never give negativity a voice on this platform. So every now and then you hear like maybe, um, some coach cut off a boy's locks on the on, on, on the courts on the basketball court when he was playing and in, internet basically goes wild everybody's talking about it and of course 
standing up for it and all of that. But what happens is that when I post that on my page, I would have given it some power and some voice for it to continue. So I am very, very conscious. I would not repeat any negative thing anybody says about people with locks or people with natural hair. I would not, you know, add any fuel to that um, 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 sort of, um, okay. you understand what I mean? So this is, these are the yeah. things that I do because I'm very careful. The things you stay, say in life now stay forever. This podcast is probably going to be available long after we are gone. So, you know, you have to be very yeah. careful about what you say and what you give power to. So my own silence, and I'm not confrontational by attitude. So just following my personality, I would rather elevate the voices that kind of, that, that sound reasonable, that show reason to the topic that we're trying to address. Because I'm seeing in the, in the, in the episodes that we have featured at this point, you know, you're talking about locks and kids, you're talking about locks and aging, you're talking about locks and the LGBT community, you're talking about it's in the corporate world, and you're just seeing people who are being disenfranchised, you're seeing people who are being discriminated against, stereotyped, and all of these people are different people, different personalities, different attitudes, if you can just stop and see them for who they are, life will just be such a much better place as opposed to saying oh it is my christian sister it is my Igbo sister it is my locked sister all of those things just we are really one race and that's the human race and once we can get past that i feel like things will be better so i am one of the optimistic people that doesn't like to fight and would give fuel and fire and flame and put some oxygen to whatever good that there is out there so that is how I am hoping to change the world. I don't think it is the most um, efficient way, but that's that's my way. So, and I, I feel like anybody out there who has their own attitude, their own personality, if your own is to fight and carry the placard and, you know, take the gun and stand up for yourself, please, by all means, do what you need to do and what conforms with your heart to do. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I was yeah. I was actually going to add that there is I, I don't think there's an efficient way. If there was, there will be one size fits all to fix humanity's problems. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's an efficient way, but but there can be. There can be. Um, uh, I was going to say there can be numerous ways in which we can all meet. Mm-hmm. You know, in the where we can all find solution to 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 what to what happens. Absolutely, but I would I would not choose anything else. I, I love my hair. I keep telling myself, oh, one day, you know, I'll take it out. But I don't know when. I probably would get to my 60s wearing this hair. <laughs> I, I, I love my hair. I love my choices. I, in fact, I'm beginning to enjoy you underestimating me and then let me surprise you. I, I used to say that I am <laughs> I, afraid of people seeing how much of me I have to offer because I fear that it will overwhelm me. Mm. Mm. So, the world might love it, and by world, I mean the small part of the world I occupy. Mm. I might never be famous. Mm. I might love it. No, I you think know? you're already famous. But I think you are famous. I think you have a fantastic story. Um, I do know that you've been through a lot of personal battles career-wise, and this has been mostly yeah. because of the voice that you have, you have, because of your voice, you know, and the, the, the things that you have done. I think you are amazing 
intelligent like if i keep going people will think i'm coming on to you on the podcast right now and um basically i think that you know your story is one that needs to be heard i'm just going to plug this in for anybody who's listening and hasn't seen nelly's ted talk yet it's titled the distant reality of feminism and gender equality and i watched that podcast just saying mm, mm. i think you were able to articulate things that I felt that I couldn't put a voice to or couldn't give words to. So I feel like, you know, in our own little ways, we are trying to make the world a better place for the upcoming generations. And um, yes, so the conversation is still going on, by the way. So with this 12 years going on, 13-year-old locks that you have, how do you maintain them? And how do you cope? Like, it's a lot of hair. I do know because your hair is like twice the thickness of mine in the first place. So if my hair is heavy, I can't even just imagine how much heavier yours is. How do you maintain it? And how does it make you feel? And what does taking it on for another 30, 40 years, what does that mean to you? First, asking me how I keep my hair, like you don't know. <laughs> don't you know how I keep my hair? <laughs> like I do it, I do it right there and lock it to you. But you know, but you know, you know, you, you know my hair journey a lot longer, a lot older than most people do. Um, I started to wear locks the wrong way. In essence, I found some boys that would lock it. They would put all kinds of stuff. There's nothing that hasn't gone in this hair. Coffee, toothpaste, all kinds of stuff in the early days, right? Mm-hmm. And then I worked it all out. I met, um, oh, what's his name again? Then, you know, I, then I met him. And he, I, I introduced him to you. No, 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 not Jato. Um, no, um, Olisa. Uh, the, the one who won the, Olisa, yes, yes, who won the competition he organized. Yeah. Now, but before I met him, then I, I discovered that I could look up locks on, on YouTube, styles. At first, it was just the styles I was curious about because I had always styled my hair, my hair myself. If I go to Alyssa's salon, I tell him exactly what I want. I still do that in look too. too. Mm-hmm. So, um, You've made us do some crazy I, things. As, as, as the good thing is, the friend of mine who asked me to wear locks, he's Trinidadian. So that first, I, 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 actually, messing up my hair happened in a six months, one year window in the, in the start of it. I washed it all off and started, practically started my locks again without any of those silly interferences. But um, he came back with, uh, with a product. It, it was just a normal natural hair product, Miss Jessie's, just normal conditioners. That's when I learned the trick. Mm. To keep your locks as you would keep your natural hair. You don't need all those jazz, which is what Lockitude does. Lockitude simplifies the hair products to the bare minimum of oils and, and conditioners. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, keep your hair as you would. You know, you've always wondered, you've always asked me that question, how heavy is your hair? My hair doesn't feel heavy. Maybe because I've worn it for long or because I keep my hair product free. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. natural conditioners and oils product free and then i i'm not always i don't lock my hair often and you know yeah. and the reason is i always say if i thought it is only custom i probably would have shut down <laughs> and, we love all our customers even the one one time a year customers we love all of your equally <laughs> you know because i don't like the roots being thin mm-hmm. when it's thin for me it hurts because my hair is kinky but it's tender and my scalp is tender so when it's, uh, this is what Roger knows very well. So when it's thin, it pulls, it pulls at my roots. 
So I have to let the roots grow and thicken. So when I lock it again, it's thicker. Reasons I have it is because keep your products simple, natural oils, and wash your hair often, and just keep it conditioned and moisturized. Honestly, and ever since that, I really do love my hair. I don't know, I do. I love my locks. I love my hair. I like the seamlessness of it. And when it's about to drive me nuts, I'm back in lockitude, and we do it again. So I mean, yeah, I do. I, I do love it. It's, it's simple for me to keep. I don't know the struggles other people have. But for me, it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah. This has been a very interesting conversation. I wish that it could go on forever. Um, I think I have um, one last question. But before I say that, let me just recap on some of the things we've said. Or maybe more than one last question. I don't know if you want to go here. And if you don't want to, it's fine. Um <clears throat> I do know that in your career so far, you have been outspoken and opinionated. And the work I do know of you is the work that you did on talk radio. Um, I personally kind of know that um, I'm not really sure exactly what exactly happened, but the fallout of talk radio from like a daily show for you wasn't necessarily pleasant. And why I'm bringing this up is because, of course, I did go on Google before we we um, start this interview, and I noticed that for all the work you've done, your online footprint is a little bit too small. It's not a little bit too small. It's like disappeared. I'm like, no, I know Nelly. She's done so much. I should be able to find more of her. And it seems like somebody went there and erased this. Is this still linked to a woman not shouldn't a woman not having a voice or is this just really work politics i don't know really okay. i think for me it's been it's been a combination of okay let me answer it this way from the online footprint i would say it's a it, it's the fault goes both ways i'm partially to blame because i have never really tapped into the power of social media or the internet for myself, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster who speaks to people who can't afford to listen to what I have to say. And I've always felt the radio was the cheapest medium. Still is because of how poor Nigeria is. Mm. It's, uh, but um, my mates have always invested in uploading their work personally. I've always left it for the media company I was working for to do it. Mm. What happens now is when you're no longer with that big company and they have no other, no use for you, for your voice or your talent, they have every right to scrub, to scrub that all off, mm. you know? And that's probably what happened. Because until you mentioned it, I have never really Googled my radio life. If you Google me now, you probably find my work on fact-checking and writing and maybe some TV. But you, you would really not find my radio, which is the sweetest part of me. I hold it so precious. I loved my days on talk radio. I'm working towards getting back to it. Mm-hmm. So not having that, having that there, and you, you were the one who brought it to my notice. So I think for me, for me, it's also because I'm a woman and I talk in the way people don't like women to speak, mm-hmm. right? And I do it unapologetically. I don't regret it. I've, and that's not because I'm stubborn. It's because I really regret. I'm, I told you I know who I am. I think through before I make it. I do a thing. I most likely have known I'm going to do it. Right, mm-hmm. so um, it didn't end well with um, 
Nigeria in for very, we, but I don't think it's something either of us still hold to mind. Mm-hmm. I am of no value to them right now. So, yeah. So if there's if there's nothing if there's nothing to of record there, fair enough. You know, I just have to learn from those lessons where I am no longer leaving my intellectual work dependent on on whichever media broadcaster organization whatever however we choose to call them that i'm affiliated with i have to be active in taking some of my content and 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 positioning it for myself Mm -hmm. so that when time comes like you did someone needs to find me you can find it through my Mm -hmm. active and intentional you know, yeah, um, mm-hmm. advertisement as opposed to the, to the to the radio station. Right now, they have strong women who are speaking clearly and bluntly. They don't need my voice anymore. We were the pioneers. It wasn't just me. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the pioneers of women speaking clearly and bluntly on radio. And we left space for other women to do that as well. So they have that window filled. If they don't need my work to do that, that's fine. But it's yeah. taught me a lesson. I'm not going to stop me. I just told you, and you're the first person I've said it to out loud, that I'm afraid of being the, all, the, the absolute, I'm afraid of the maximum of my potential. I think it could overwhelm me, the maximum of my potential. It scares me. So sometimes I hold myself back. I don't know if that happens to you, but I hold myself back not to achieve the maximum of what I can be because it, it, it intimidates me and it scares me what I know I have the potential to be. But what I'm trying to learn every day is, step out of my comfort zone, which is use the internet, use social media, try and put out my content myself. So hopefully in the space of a year or two, this deficit will probably have been met. I'm looking forward to seeing you back on air, wherever you are. I think we've all learned the lessons. And I think, um, you know, I'm also learning the lesson, even though I've independently done most of my stuff, but I can imagine I would be so pained if I did not have access to many things that are done so far in the past few years. So I guess we learned the lessons. But most importantly, in wrapping this up, finally, I would say that first we do understand that um, feminism is the ability to exist. And what that means is that your ability to actually exist. And I think I prefer that, that definition to solely gender equality because when you just say gender equality, it becomes like a competition you're trying to be equal to somebody else but the ability to exist is being able to exist as your own human so i really love that definition and if there's anything i've taken from this conversation that's one of it um you've also talked about being who you are and you know we've talked about hair being a statement and at the same time not being a statement depending on the individual and how you choose to wear it we've also Sorry? You were worried we won't talk about hair, but don't you see? We ended up hearing it. <laughs> we did. And all of this is linked back to the hair. And I was saying that, um, yeah. that you know, we should pick the battles we can win. That's um, one that I think that I would hold dear to my heart as well. And I think most of all is being assertive, especially for people like me out there who, are, who shy away from confrontation and conflict. It's, it's one thing to shy away from confrontation and conflict, but you can always be assertive of who you are, what you want, what you want to do, what the outcome is. I really feel like I'm a quiet, assertive person and I've really been assertive and I realize that that's what it is. And I'm going to apply that to other areas of my life where I am failing. So 
at this point i feel like nelly thanks for attending your second third talk or third discussion with me um it's really been an honor and do you have any last words for our audience oh no <laughs> oh no i don't <laughs> I, I think i think everything has been said i i don't have and i don't like last words actually <laughs> because no no last words okay. absolutely none all right i would take that yeah. but i would say assertiveness it's a thing and in choosing to have locks i think you can lean to all of these things it is your ability to exist it is who you want to be you know you can decide for it to be a statement or not be a statement and um you know pick those battles that you can win and just be assertive and i think if you're assertive you would win all the battles that come your way you know so that's it it's been interesting it's been painful in some ways you know having to talk about things that you feel as a woman um and you know how society especially in our parts of the world does not necessarily even recognize or yeah. you know, just makes it ignores you you know sometimes it makes you feel like you're just this mad black woman shouting for what you don't even understand just keep quiet let the men yeah. let the yeah. men take over so um i would be assertive on my ability to exist henceforth and I hope that if Lux is in anybody's journey out there, please be assertive of it and, you know, go with it. Thanks again, Nelly. And I guess we will continue these conversations Thank offline. So I'm looking forward to working with yeah. you in future. I think we have a ton of projects we can do together. Oh, so I'm putting it out there. Stars, I think our stars will definitely align work-wise because we've been talking about it. I know, I know, I know. We all need to. I know we need certain things to be in tune before it happens. So when the right moment comes, the music will play. I believe it. It will. So, yeah, so please, absolutely. everyone out there, watch out. We're releasing our album very soon. <laughs> all right then. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye. Take care. And thank you for having me. Yeah. For someone who doesn't like confrontation, that was definitely a conversation that looks a couple of issues right in the face. Assertiveness will become part of my personal conscious efforts to continue self-development and I am excited about my newfound definition to feminism, the ability to exist, the ability to be, as it sits very well with my ethos. This series has come very far as we are now 10 episodes in. We have two more to go before we round up the season. And in our next episode, we'll be talking to a few brothers with locks. Or more like a few brothers who have had locks at some point in their life. They will be bringing their individual perspective to the conversation and also a perspective from a different side of the world. I'm not sure what we're going to call this episode yet. Locked brothers, brother locks, brothers with locks. But whichever way, it's one you definitely want to look forward to. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Talking Rocks podcast with Lockheed. It has been such a pleasure being your host. My name again is Adi Balogun. And thanks to our producer, Savage Media. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Lockitude, L-O-C-I-C-U-D-E. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And for more interesting podcast episodes on Everyday People with Lock, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We are currently on 
Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. And don't forget to keep it locked in and active. Bye.